Welcome back to Are You Native? I'm Barbara, and I'll be your host for this podcast episode. So about a month ago, I was lucky enough to go up to the Yale University Art Gallery for the opening weekend of my friend Joe's exhibit. Joe, who is Bad River Ojibwe, co-curated this exhibit with Katie McCleary, who is Little Shell Chippewa Cree, and Leah Shristinian, who is non-native, and they're all recent graduates from Yale University. This exhibit focused on 200 years of indigenous North American art, which is definitely a really broad period of time, so they were primarily guided by four central themes that they chose, place, nations, generations, and beings. After exploring the exhibit for a little bit, I was also able to attend a presentation by Marie Watt, who is an artist from the Turtle Clan of the Seneca Nation, and she discussed her background as a Native artist and how that influences her work, her amazing Blanket Stories series, and her work that was specifically featured in this exhibit, which was entitled First Teachers Balance the Universe, both parts one and two. After my visit, I thought it would be a really good idea to speak more with the curators about how this exhibit came to be, as well as general conversation about their experiences as students in a university environment with a Native American cultural center available. Overall, it was a really beautiful exhibit with a lot of aspects and objects that kept me thinking even weeks after visiting, specifically about the presentation of Native art and the way that people perceive Native communities today. Some things that I really wanted to ask them about um, in our conversation was the color of the physical walls in the exhibit, which featured bright and vibrant versions of yellow, purple, pink, and other colors, um, which I found was really uh, impactful and stood out to me. And the fact that many of the object labels listed artist once known as opposed to the more often seen unknown artist. The significance of both these things, as well as many other themes, will be explained throughout our conversation, and hopefully you will learn as much as I did in hearing the curators speak about their experiences and creating this exhibit. All right, so um, can you guys just tell me a little bit about yourselves and then also the exhibit as a whole and kind of the timeline of how you guys came up with the idea for it and then, um, you know, the opening and everything since then? Yeah. Um, Katie, do we want to do maybe like bios and then you can kind of talk about the internship and all? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, okay. Um, Hi, my name's my name's Joseph Zordon. Um, I grew up um, on a farm in northern Wisconsin, um, and I'm Bad River and Redcliffe Ojibwe. Um, I just graduated from Yale this past May, so 2019, with an anthropology degree. Um, and yeah, I I guess I kind of um, grew up around um, being indigenous art but from like my own aunts doing beadwork um but also just like through museums and stuff like that and i think Mm -hmm. by the time i got to yale i was kind of interested in seeing like what what that actually looks like to pursue um and yeah i think that's a that's a kind of intro Mm -hmm. that's awesome thank you joe yeah 
Uh, yeah, so I'm Katie McCleary. I am Little Shell Chippewa and I grew up on the Crow Reservation in southeastern Montana. And I went, so I graduated from Yale with a bachelor's in history mm-hmm. in the spring of 2018. And, um, yeah, and, uh, been sort of around art in a variety of different ways my whole life. Uh, my mom is a bead worker and sewer, and so that's great. Yeah, been sort of exposed to our art through her, as well as you know my aunts and um, and other family as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, kind of grew up with an understanding of Native art within my communities. And then when I came to Yale, really started to think about um, indigenous art more from an academic lens Mm -hmm. and um, sort of like bring together scholarship and the knowledge that I had um, from my families and my communities. So um, that kind of leads us into this project. so this has been a lot, many years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it kind of started in the fall of 2015. There were um, a lot of um, sort of like protests going on on campus, led by students of color, including Indigenous students. And there were a number of things that those students were asking for, and um, sort of a part of those demands was better representation on campus and an acknowledgement of Yale's um, role in settler colonialism, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledging that Yale University was on Quinnipiac land and uh, and also holds or has land uh, in other people's territories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that... Um, sort of began the Native American Arts Initiative internship. The gallery and the Peabody came together and they were like, you know, we've heard a lot of critiques um, from Native students and staff about the way that we present Native art. Let's, like, do have students do a research project. So um, myself and um, the other co-curator who wasn't able to make it today, Leah Shrestinian, um, we did this internship in the summer of 2016 and we made recommendations to the gallery and to the Peabody on how they could better present and collect Native art. And that was really, I mean, at that point, we were both, you know, sophomores. And so mm-hmm. we were really, like, learning from others, you know, in the field, like um, Jolene Rickard and uh, Ruth Phillips and mm-hmm. um, Janet Catherine Burlow. Or is that the other way around? I never remember. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so many other folks as well that I, I, I'm forgetting now. But we were really drawing from their scholarship and using the best practices that we saw um, in exhibits across the United States and Canada. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how we formed our recommendations. And then that led into the opportunity to do this exhibit. Um, and we actually had asked that the gallery hire 
a full-time curator to do this exhibit. Um, but due to, like, constraints and also just, like, time, um, I don't think the gallery was, like, prepared to do that yet, to hire mm -hmm. um, a Native person to curate this exhibit. So we ended up, all the three of us, coming together and doing it as students, um, which was crazy at times, but it's, like, <laughs> awesome now that it's done, you know? Like, yeah. seeing it, it's like, wow, like, so many years of work and, and things like that. And Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's sort of the the origin story of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I I knew none of that, so <laughs> that was great. Um, so kind of, I guess I'll ask you a question I was going to ask you later, but it becomes relevant mm -hmm. when you talk about um, like the protests and representation on campus. So I know you guys have um, Indian American Cultural Center on campus. Um, mm -hmm. So how has that kind of impacted your college experience, and um, was that was that kind of a helpful cultural center to have there because uh, Rutgers doesn't have one, um, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things we kind of wanted to talk to faculty about on our end. So, mm -hmm. what's it been like for you? Um, I'd say I don't know. Like it's it feels essential. I would mm -hmm. say to my experience, um, and I think I think especially for Native students, it's um, usually, um, college is a big transition in a lot of ways, especially Definitely. those of us who grew up around our communities, um, mm -hmm. and then kind of being thrown into, or at least like in the context of Yale, kind of like, I grew up in this town where over like 10% of the population was indigenous and like Ojibwe, and then I came here and it was like 0.3%. And like, that's a, mm -hmm. that's a big change. Um, and I think I think the NACC was so important to me, kind of like at different points throughout my um, time in college. It was, yeah. um, and I think especially early on during um, what people call the race wars at Yale, um, which was in 2015 through 16, yeah. um, kind of hearing from older students, like the state of like representation for Natives like indigenous people at Yale just, um, and also just kind of like having um, a continuation of like the, a community I'm familiar with um, and so on and so forth. I think, and it goes like, it's very important. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like, uh, so like other points in my Yale career, I kind of chose to be involved in like other spaces, but I feel like the NECC was nice because it was always, I was always there, and like I think oh. I, that was really important, and like yeah, for my college and like sense oh. of identity. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. Remind me. This is about the. This is a question about the cultural center, right? Yeah. I got great. I was like really thinking about Joe's answer there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I got I got a little wrapped up in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I always tell people. You know, I couldn't have gone to Yale and stayed at Yale and not dropped out if there had not been the Native American Cultural Center, mm -hmm. and specifically the staff who worked there, including Kelly Fayard, who now actually yeah. works at Bowdoin. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. She used to work at no, Bowdoin. No, yeah. <laughs> Denver, gotcha. uh, all over. Um, yeah, so now she's at University of Denver. And okay. I think the – the cultural center was so important for me coming from um, the Crow community and just like 
feeling like I needed to have a space that felt like home mm-hmm. and that um, I could be around people who, like, understood where I was coming from and my identity and not to say that I wasn't involved in a lot of other spaces on campus, um, but I think kind of to Joe's point, it the cultural center is so and I think the cultural centers generally at Yale are so important because they're always mm-hmm. there for students and there's yeah. kind of a fast thing that's unchanging mm-hmm. that is really um, important when you're a young person going through so many changes in your mm-hmm. life and oftentimes experiencing culture shock and and yeah. um, being in a place that you're just so unfamiliar with, having that mm-hmm. steadfast cultural center and the people who are there is, I think, just so important to student success. So I'm like the biggest advocate of spaces where specifically students of color can like be and just um, feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, we um, we have cultural centers here, but none that are like specifically for Native American students. And um, I think that's definitely contributed towards kind of like, I know that there was an, an initiative, like, a couple of years back to kind of bring more Native American students to Rutgers, and, um, like, they were offered scholarships and things like that, but because there was kind of that lack of community, um, you know, a lot of them ended up dropping out or going to other universities instead, so, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely yeah, really... actually, yeah. that's, that's reminding me, too, because, so, I mean, the, the Native Cultural Center, as a physical location, is relatively mm-hmm. new. It's yeah. about... I want to say six years old now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my first year there was like the first full year of the center. Oh wow! Okay. And so we've just seen, I mean, huge changes. Mm-hmm. For we're we're now able to get so many more Native students, support so many more Native students yeah. while they're there, and. Also, I think we're just seeing, like, honestly, this exhibit is mm-hmm. all part of the, like, the effects of having a center where we can be and, like, having wow. that support. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you think about it, so many things, we were, we were, I was talking about this, actually, with a couple of alums who are uh, graduated a, a few years ahead of me, mm-hmm. and we're seeing so many things on campus now that are centering Native people and presenting Mm -hmm. Native people. And so, like, before us, um, there were three Native um, architecture students, one undergraduate, um, and two graduate students who organized an exhibit at the architecture school. Just, like, the first time that the architecture school has ever done anything in, like, Native architecture or Native art. Oh, wow. Uh, It was an amazing exhibit. And then Mm -hmm. we followed. And then after us, um, in the, I mean, not after, but I guess in in January, the, as far as I know, as far as we know, the first, like, Native written and play will um, show at the Yale Rep. So it's written by Mary Catherine Nagel, who's a Cherokee playwright and lawyer. Mm -hmm. And... um, so that's going up in like mid January. So there's just so many things, and I think it's all part of having like a physical space. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so important. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the space as like right, like native. I think especially 
Native students all come from such different communities, but mm-hmm. when you have the chance to consolidate your voice, and especially like Native students don't make up a huge, necessarily a huge population, and like yeah. especially schools out east, but mm-hmm. when you have like a space to consolidate, you have a physical space to meet, um, to consolidate, to build community. Um, it can be really, it can become a really powerful thing, right? Like you're yeah. you're bringing together people in a way to talk to one another. Like we as Native students, we as like want X, and like this is something we are experiencing it. And I think like exactly. I think I think when statements, especially around organizing, become we statements, and like from what a significant portion of whatever student population it's like becomes something else right like it mm-hmm. it isn't just like oh native students were mad at this it's like this exactly. like organization is, is like wants us to change and mm-hmm. they've met and they have a space and they have like a voice and they have they're coming from a place of like community and exactly yeah 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 and it's great to hear that like you guys have seen a lot more programming and events that that are making that impact, right? Totally. Actually, that just reminded me, too, when (laughs) Joe was talking, um, that the secretary's office at Yale, which, like, does a lot of the student life uh, programming, Mm -hmm. just, um, like, promised to give the Association of Native Americans at Yale $20,000 Every other year for their powwow, yeah, oh, that's wow. incredible. That's great. Yeah, so and I mean that's that's to Joe's point about like being able to organize under a name like the Association of Native Americans at Yale and say, look, we need this for mm-hmm. our like well-being and for exactly. us to you know be native yeah. on campus. Yeah, which is all like we're I feel like we're a little off track here and just talking about the native community, but actually <laughs> no, <you're fine>. <laughs> because. Like, this is all a part of, like, how we've approached this exhibition. Like, mm-hmm. we, um, you know, Joe and I are both, we're both involved in the Native community at Yale when we were students. Mm-hmm. Leah is um, non-Native. She's a settler. But mm-hmm. she was, like, sort of tangentially involved in the community as well um, after she did her internship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but all to say, like, we've approached this exhibition thinking about the Native community at Yale and the surrounding Native communities in and around New Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, we worked with the Mohegan Nation on a lot of aspects of the exhibition. Um, we also were really trying to think about, like, how there are so many different voices in this um, yeah. project. Like, we were we didn't want to come off as necessarily the authorities on this art Mm -hmm. or on the works we were um, presenting. So Mm -hmm. we also had a, like, informal student advisory council um, of Native students that helped us as we were figuring out, like, the layout and the design of the book and the design of the exhibit space. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them um, worked with us on labels or, like, co-wrote labels with us. And... um, so, I mean, the whole time we were just coming from this context of belonging to the Native community at Yale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the exhibit is almost kind of like a love letter to the Native community and like mm-hmm. a, oh, yeah, a very totally. 
in a very like real way. And I think it's, I was walking through with um, somebody the other day and they asked like, it's very interesting that in your labels, you actually never say what these objects are used for. There's a very, mm-hmm. you take a very formal approach. Um, why did you do that? And I, I really actually never, at least I never really thought that consciously about it because the people I was thinking of reading the labels were native students and they know what mm-hmm. they're used for. Like, so I think, exactly. I think it's like, yeah, it's that space, that community was, absolutely is like essential for mm-hmm. this work and making this work like meaningful and feel important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so going back to like kind of these aspects of the exhibit. Um, so how did you guys come up with the name of place nations generations being? So it's actually our theme. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's the first, yeah. So place is the first theme and then it goes to mm-hmm. nations yeah. and then generations and beings. And we, we're actually trying to figure out a title for the exhibit and um, itself, yeah. yeah. They all kind of sounded like corny. <laughs> and and I mean the other the 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 one of the challenges of curating this exhibit was that we were covering a huge amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean two hundred years in terms of yeah. art. There is a lot happening in that two hundred years. Mm-hmm. We're covering vast expanses of North America mm-hmm. and talking about I think did we do the count, Joe? Like over It's like over forty. 40 yeah, over forty, over 40. different nations yeah. and their art. So when we were approaching it, we were like, how do we even begin to bring all of these things together, which in our in many ways are so drastically different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um and the way that we approached it was by creating these themes. And Kelly Fayard, actually, who I mentioned before, who used to be the director at the Native Cultural Center at Yale, sat mm-hmm. down with us and was just like, "You guys need to come up with these themes because we were really we were really dragging our feet because it was hard to make decisions when we felt like we didn't fully like we didn't want to um, misrepresent anything exactly. or misrepresent any people like." Um, like the very theory or the very way they're approaching their work. Mm-hmm. So she just sat us down and she's like, no, guys, you just have to do it. So uh, yeah. we sat in like a conference room and just sorted it all out. And eventually, I mean, I think it, initially we had many more themes than that. Yeah. We, we narrowed it down to four themes. And the other thing about this is we realized, you know, these themes, there's so many, these objects could be in multiple themes. They're not, they're not, you know, boxes necessarily that we're putting objects in. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were just a way to interpret the art in, in one, um, in one way Mm -hmm. um, to sort of make sense of them within the space. And then, so that kind of brings us back to when we went to um, come up with the title just like nothing really did it justice because we were um, covering so much time, covering so much history. Exactly. And then we just thought, well, you know, this is a way to prime the visitor for the <laughs> encounter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also just like, yeah, with the themes that kind of was like, when we were like sorting objects, we discovered that the like the most important thing that we wanted to talk about were relationships and like, mm-hmm. The, and we wanted to 
like one of our main goals was to think of this as like art. So we were, mm-hmm. we wanted to, instead of centering um, all, everything in the show is from collections at Yale. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the frequent suggestion we got was kind of like, oh, you should sort it by collector. You should sort it by collection. You should do this. Mm-hmm. this. And we, we didn't want to do that. We wanted, we wanted to center. And like part of this is just kind of from the perspective we were coming from, but we were like, yeah. we want to center the indigenous people in this. We want to center exactly. the people who made these and the people who received these things. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and centering indigenous art, you're centering relationships because you're centering, because so many of these objects were kind of made with um, somebody specific in mind. They're made, they're made um, to, uh, for, yeah, to, for relationships, whether it be between people, between a mother and her child, or between um, the wearer of the object and um, other cosmological forces. Um, mm-hmm. But we felt like by by centering our themes on relationships, we were able to kind of get away from, we have all these objects we have from all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems, it feels like the only way that like we can talk about them is from the collector. But it was like, no, we don't have to. We can we can think about that about the the, the communities where these were made, um, how they were made, and think about the similar similarities between them. Exactly. So, um, do do either of you have a favorite piece or object from the exhibit? Um, and if so, why? It's okay if you don't say. <laughs> it's hard to choose something. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it changes every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think. There's so many different um, objects that I love for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and that makes me think, too, you know, we've – it was so amazing to see the objects as they were being um, installed within the space. Yeah, I'm sure. Just because we had seen the objects in collections and they were often in, you know, dark spaces or Mm -hmm. cramped spaces. And it was just a really amazing experience to see them as they were being given the space that they deserved. And yes you know, being lighted in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, you could see all these different parts of them. Um, so that was a really beautiful experience and made me fall in love with different works that I was kind of like, mm, you know, in <laughs> <laughs> that like Joe had fought for or Leah mm-hmm. had yeah. fought for and that yeah. I wasn't like completely, you know, in love with. But mm-hmm. um, I just began to fall in love with all of them at once when they were in the space. Another thing is too is um, once I so we all split up the labels and wrote different labels and so some of the works you know Joe and Leah know better than I do and mm-hmm. learning from them made me fall in love with them with the works <laughs> more too you know mm-hmm. yeah. but I would say if I had to pick if you had to <laughs> you really had, if I had to. to pick uh, my favorite is the baby bonnet made by a once-known Lakota artist, mm-hmm. um, which is, I believe, from the late 1800s. Wow. And 
That is the baby bonnet. I I think this might be my favorite because I just like hold it above Joseph and Leah's heads. <laughs> we're really trying to convince me to cut it, and I fought for that baby bonnet. Yes. And, um, because there's, I mean, that's the thing too is there's so much more in the collection, and there's mm-hmm. there's so much more that has never been put on view, and yes. so we really like fought for certain things that we were like, no, mm-hmm. this needs to be in this exhibit for this mm-hmm. reason and this reason. So mm-hmm. it's a very, perp- like all the things in the exhibit are very purposeful. Yeah. Um, and so I just remember like having the discussion about that bonnet in particular. And it's it's really, a sim- you know, compared to a lot of the other works in the exhibit, it's quite simple, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, it's plain mm-hmm. stitch that this likely Lakota mother or aunt did for her child and yeah. there's paisley like bandana that's been used on the rim and mm-hmm. like this ribbon that is ruffled along the bottom of the bonnet um but there's something about it that is so delicate in a way yeah. because mm-hmm. not only is it a bonnet but also just like the different parts of it and the details that she chose to portray on the bonnet and the ribbons um and like watching people come into the exhibit and like see, so we placed the bonnet next to a cradle that's also by a once known Lakota artist, mm-hmm. and seeing people like kind of react to those works was also an experience in itself. Like there was a lot of, as you might expect, like a lot of like women who were mothers who were like looking at it and they're like, wow, this is like so beautiful. Um, so I don't know. There's, there's so many parts about that work that I just love. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't cut it now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) after hearing you speak about it. (laughs) Um, I think, I think, yeah, as Katie said, it's so, it's so easy to have so many favorite works. Um, and there's just like prior, prior to the exhibit, I was the NAGPRA assistant at the Peabody. So I, Mm -hmm. I like have even, I've seen, like, some of these works for, like, since I was, like, a sophomore and, like, spent so much time with them. So seeing them in the space is, like, really special, especially um, the Richard Hunt mask that is on the features on the banner. Um, I remember seeing, um, like, as a sophomore and being like, oh, my God. And, like, this, in this, like, cold collections room, like, with (laughs) poor lighting. Um, Yeah. And I was like, that's so, like, that, what an incredible piece, like, that, mm. that's crazy that it's, yeah. like, tucked away in here, and seeing it exactly. um, put up was really special. But I think my favorite piece, if I'm setting aside my nationalist tendencies um, mm-hmm. with the <laughs> with the bandolier bags, um, mm-hmm. I think is probably the second phase um, Diné, or Navajo Chiefs blanket. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just, like, it's a it's about it's a blanket um it has stripes um they kind of are bl- um brown and like cream um they alternate and then there's three um stripes of blue and red kind of at the top and the center of the at the top bottom and center of the piece um mm-hmm. and it's just very as it like on its own it's probably made around the 1860s on its own it's a it's a really like gorgeous and like incredible blanket um it's mm-hmm. in incredible condition i like I'm still awestruck of how, like, yeah. good it looks. Um, but so I already loved it. And then 
we had requested, um, usually they're displayed kind of flat against the wall, um, like mm-hmm. a tapestry. Um, but yeah. we requested kind of after like research and like thinking about best practice, um, and also just kind of like what, what it means to center an artist within an exhibit. We decided mm-hmm. to display it, um, on a form. So like how it would be folded around somebody's body and like, just like the place where it is in the exhibit and like mm-hmm. it's kind of on a platform in the center of the show and it's just it's so gorgeous it mm-hmm. has such like remarkable presence and the way the way that the like lines meet across the body um it really like it changes it changes it so much and it also just mm-hmm. like i think it has such a remarkable effect on the space of kind of like I think something I was thinking about and in kind of this process was like how to like we're centering native indigenous artists, we're centering native students. Yeah. Um, but like how, but like they're not, indigenous people aren't always going to be in the gallery all the time. So like Mm -hmm. what, how can we replace, um, an embodied kind of indigenous presence in the space? And like that, so we have like all of, um, most of our clothing objects on forms and it's just like that blanket just does it just like brings such a remarkable presence and so I'm so happy with it like it's just yeah. beautiful oh that's great okay, thank you guys for sharing yeah Um, so kind of talking about like on the theme of you talking about you know like a native person is not always going to be present in the exhibit Um, so what would you like visitors to kind of take away from your exhibit both um both native and non native audiences. I guess like while they walk through, um mm. or after they leave. Mm. Mm. Well we also kind of had a number of goals mm-hmm. for our exhibit and that was like those goals were oriented around what we wanted the visitor to come away with. Yeah. So the sort of basic thing is just um, that Native art is art. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the works in this exhibit are coming from the Peabody Museum of Natural History mm-hmm. at Yale. And so, and that was actually how a lot of the discussions about this project or the impetus behind this project is really from is, the fact that almost the only Native art being shown on campus was in the Peabody Museum. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, the Native of, and the Native American Cultural Center. Before our exhibit, the most contemporary Native art on display was at the Native American Cultural Center, mm-hmm. which is not in our gallery. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just to clarify. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, I think that was the, that's like, the number one thing is that native art is art. Yeah. Um, number two, that native people are still here, mm-hmm. and that native people continue to create. So that is like we wanted to show that through. You know, the earliest piece being from the eighteen thirties. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Circa 1810s, I think. Oh, actually, 1810s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 1810s. <laughs> these are the things that you have to know. 1810s <laughs> to uh, 
to just like this year. Mm-hmm. So wow. showing that um, that continuity of Native creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that Yale has had a role in settler colonialism, mm-hmm. which we seems kind of like obvious. But I also think that people, um, especially within the United States and Canada, really do not think critically about um, federal colonialism. Mm -hmm. So um, we wanted to do that through our labels specifically. But I think in some ways, too, just, you know, having a show about Native art or pointing out that Native people are still here. Mm -hmm also kind of shows or, like, makes people think about, like, okay, well, why are these objects here? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, like, how did they get here? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, we just wanted to um, begin to sort of, like, make people think about that. Yeah. So I would say yeah. those, are, those are some of the things that I would hope people would come away with. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I think I think especially for our broader audience that like those goals sum up very well. I think it's just kind of like we want people to appreciate these works because they deserve to be, um, exactly. but also kind of like like be mindful of the kind of tension that exists within this, right? Like kind of mm-hmm. like here here are all these beautiful objects, so like what are they doing here? And like here are these beautiful objects, but one of them was collected by the Peabody and one of them mm-hmm. was collected by um, the art gallery. Like, let's think about why. And they're, they're like, yeah. basically made in the same time. So, like, why Why is it that? Why, what, what, who determines what goes where and why? Um, exactly. And I think, and I think, like, for our Native visitors, we're kind of giving them... At least I felt like I was, I and like through working on this exhibit, it was kind of like a chance to to visit with uh, a, a family member, sort of, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. oh. being able to being able to um, touch the same things that my ancestors did and other people's mm-hmm. ancestors did. Um, yeah. Being able to kind of and like being able to like so many of these objects like. Like I said, are like being made with somebody specific in mind, and like exactly. they probably they miss they miss being talked to in the language. They miss they miss their communities. Um, they're probably homesick too. Um, yeah. And I think I think especially for for native students, I think it's kind of a, a it's a it's a it's a very I think. Um, kind of subtle way of nodding to like, you're not alone out here. Like mm-hmm. we, and like, this is also um, one of Katie's very lasting um, kind of contributions to the text of the show in particular. And our thinking was when you wrote um, indigenous art has had an enduring and lasting presence at Yale university. So like mm-hmm. kind of thinking like, yeah, you're like out here and, you might be like afraid and culture shock and all this, but like we we've always been in transit, like and people, even if it's through objects, like they too have been like out here and they're happy mm-hmm. to see you, um, which I think is really lovely. Yeah. Um, also, 
in kind of like speaking about the exhibit to my friends when I like came back and everything, um, kind of the things that stood, stuck out to me um, were how some of the labels said like artist once known instead of unknown artist. Um, and then also like the colors that were chosen for um, for the exhibit, like on the walls. So could you talk a little bit more about those decisions? Yeah. So I think Joe was saying earlier that we approached this exhibit with a desire to center Native artists. Mm-hmm. And so with using Artists Once Known, which is actually something um, that we first saw at the Art Gallery of Ontario in exhibits that were curated by Wanda Nanabush, who's a um, Anishinaabe curator. Mm-hmm. And the intent, which Joe sometimes puts this much more eloquently than I do, mm-hmm. so feel free to add on to this. Okay. Um, <laughs> as I understand it, with artists once known, um, the intent was for us to put the artists back into their community in the relationships that they had with their community. Mm-hmm. So with artists once known, you're thinking of as a visitor or somebody reading a label, it makes you like think about who that artist was as a person exactly. and what kind of relationships they had and also indicates that that artist might still be known to their community mm-hmm. or, you know, and of course was once known to their community. Mm-hmm. So it's all an effort to bring personhood back to um, Native artists because in a lot of anthropological displays of Native art, the artist isn't mentioned at all. Mm -hmm. Or if they are mentioned, it's in reference, it's like, you know, Ojibwe artist. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's, there's just, that's such a broad way of acknowledging a new way yeah, artist, yeah. you know? Exactly. So I think the the fact that Artists Once Known isn't as familiar to people makes them have, like, forces a visitor to pause and think about mm-hmm. the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, like, and no, Katie, you did a good job. Yeah, it's, like, kind of, so, like, something, too, that, like, I think has stuck out to people is, like, when it, you say artist once known, like the first thing you're seeing is artist, and like it's not, yeah. it's not their culture area, it's not unidentified, it's not unknown. The first thing this person was was an artist, and we're centering mm-hmm. that. And then, and then when you say once known, um, yeah, it's just kind of like so many of these objects, like I said earlier, were like made in relation, and were made in kind of like upkeeping those. And so when you place the and you place the maker in that kind of relationship, it um, it just like lets people understand it, and it like makes and mm-hmm. it makes because it's like such a a new sort of thing. Um, it really makes people stop, and I think every time I'm in the gallery, I hear somebody be like, "Why do they do that?" And it's like, "No, yeah. that's great," and like, yeah, I is. think I think that's really I think that's really like an incredible like I'm very it makes me very happy. To like mm-hmm. hear people be like, that's really interesting or strange yeah. or like, why did they do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. great, <laughs> good. That's why we do that. Because yeah. like when I think especially in museums and also just like in general right now, right, where it's just yeah. like easy to kind of whip through things. Like 
not to be an old person, like, <laughs> but like our attention spans have shifted. And like when oh, no, people yeah. go to museums, they don't necessarily want to like think about the art or what they're seeing. They want immediate gratification of like seeing pretty things. But like exactly. when you introduce something like artists once known, you're making them slow down and be like, wait, 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 wait. like what, what does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then like, what, why is it being in use this show and not every show? And I mm-hmm. think, I think that's like a really, a really powerful thing is kind yeah. of um, slowing people down in the gallery, especially for art like this, which is, for so long not taken seriously by non-natives or um, kind of like seen as primitive or whatever. So like when you make people slow down, um, you're, you're making them produce a new relationship and you're like making them actually look at the things they're looking at instead of mm-hmm. just passing by. And I think that's really special. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then also like, did you want to talk about the colors you chose? Yeah. As well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think our initial approach to colors was we did, we wanted to stay away from greens and blues and browns. Mm-hmm. Well, in all the same space. Yeah. Because of the way that anthropology our anthropological displays of Native art have brought those colors together as sort of like earth tones and yeah. and um, presented Native people as, you know, just sort of primitive and, um, mm-hmm. and really historicized them. Yeah. So we were drawn to brighter colors. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was hard because... It, it, it was hard to find the, the exact colors that we wanted mm-hmm. because um, we didn't want to distract from the beauty of the works and um, we wanted the colors to complement them. So we worked with Chris Loboda, who's the one or one of the designers at um, the Yellow University Art Gallery, mm-hmm. and he gave suggestions suggestions to us after we explained our, like, kind of our vision or what we mm-hmm. wanted in the space. Yeah. yeah. And he took from the Marie Watt. Um, so those are the two large works at the beginning of the exhibit that were mm-hmm. made by Seneca contemporary artist Marie Watt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also the cover of our publication as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like blue and pink and red um, yeah. and purple. And... Um, they're all kind of drawing back to that work. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, which Joe can also chime in on how he felt about this, but when I initially saw the colors in the space, I was like, oh, my gosh, these are really bright colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we wanted to show that vibrancy. We wanted to show that, um, you know, the contemporality of Native people mm-hmm. through the colors but I also was like wary because I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to draw away too much from the work? But then once we got the two Marie Watt works within the space, and just like everything changed, like it all came together, yeah. and it was it was like your eye understood, you know, yeah. you were able mm-hmm. to to see the connections between that those works and the rest of the space. Yeah. And and one of the things too with that work is we wanted to create sight lines 
to that work throughout the exhibit. So mm-hmm. no matter what scene you're in, you can see those Marie Watts textiles. Yeah. And um, I think that helps with how you're understanding the space. But also it was because those are contemporary works. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted, you know, we wanted the, the contemporary works to also, you know, shine in some way, you mm-hmm. know, because we wanted, again, to the point of having people understand that maybe people are still here. Yeah. I think contemporary art, just by being in that space, can do that work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think we were also just like, so many of the works are so bright and vibrant. And like, mm-hmm. I think I've been recently, I've been reading um, historical accounts of like people describing Ojibwe. So like my, my nation. And they're always mm-hmm. like, they're so gaudy. They're like, <laughs> so over the top. They're, mm-hmm. like, they're so ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. they just like completely go all out. Um, and I think, I think initially I felt good about the colors. Um, but again, like seeing them in the space, I was kind of like, oh my God, like, <laughs> and this is like, they're really bright. And also yeah. there is a running association of native art with children's museums um, mm-hmm. because of just kind of whatever, the kind of audiences that um, natural history museum and anthropological museums get the kind of, yeah. um, or even like there are like children's museums that have, Native art collections because there's mm-hmm. kind of this assumption of like Native people are like not as sophisticated so their art is like more understandable by children. So like yeah. seeing the wall colors for a very brief amount of time I was like oh my god this looks like a little kid's room. I was like yeah. so afraid. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seeing the objects in the space and like seeing um, just kind of like that we chose those colors in conversation and like every, the Marie Watts were like very grounding and anchoring for them. But like you see bright, mm-hmm. you see like pinks and like so many objects you see the, like we have a burnt kind of crisp red color. Um, yeah. And like that shows up so much. And so I just think like, I think it was really, I just love them. They're just like mm-hmm. so out of the box um Mm -hmm. and i think it really yeah it's like again it's something that pushes people to be like why don't we see colors like this in like galleries and things like that i think that's a good i I think yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's great um do you guys have any more upcoming events for the exhibit i know marie watt came and spoke and then she had her sewing circle um but the exhibit is up until june right yeah okay so what is still in store um, until then. Oh, lots of things. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we actually just had a program um, last Thursday, mm-hmm. um, which was on um, teaching Indigenous like, art. Yeah, right? yeah, teaching Indigenous art. And so um, we brought in a number of folks um, from across the country, actually. Yeah. Uh, from around the country, from the United, United States, um, who work in like education spaces mm-hmm. within galleries mm-hmm. and like um, talking about like how to teach with Native art, which I think is so important because um, obviously our like exhibit, um, with our exhibit, we, we wanted people to be able to teach within the space. Yeah. And for classes, 
all the way from like elementary school students to college students to be able to come to the space and mm-hmm. understand different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just happened recently. We um, are going to be having a event in January. Mm-hmm. If I have that correct. Um, uh, I'm thinking of indigenizing. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That'll be in January, yeah. In January, we're going to have an event with um, Jamie Powell, who's the curator at the um, Hood Museum at Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Come down and um, do like a program in the gallery where Native students basically like indigenize different spaces across the gallery. Mm-hmm. So like covering up labels, covering up cases, or mm-hmm. like rewriting labels or like just different things. Um, mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we were thinking about when we were doing these, it was like, you know, indigenous knowledge, indigenous art should really be everywhere in the gallery or is in a lot of other spaces in the gallery. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we were thinking about with that program. Mm-hmm. And then later on in um, April, Danae, photographer Will Wilson, who has um, three works in the show, a total of six works because there can be two different rotations, but three works up at mm-hmm. one time. Um, is going to be coming and doing basically like an artist in residence at the gallery mm-hmm. oh, wow. in partnership with the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library, mm-hmm. where those photographs are actually in, they're in their collection. Yeah. Um, and also going to be having Taya Miles come, who's mm-hmm. a um, scholar at Harvard and she's going to be talking about um, Margaret Ann Crutchfield who's a Cherokee artist who's represented in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's more, not, yeah, yeah there's more. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a gallery talk next month um, on the fourth. Um, and that will be, I guess with me. Um, and <laughs> there's also, we're also trying to bring um, other artists involved in the show, um, such as Richard Hunt, who made the, the mask we see on the banner mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, and like so great to like bring so much like just to we were very lucky to be working with Maureen Theodore at the gallery who just like was such a huge advocate for the project and really made sure that like we received the best of the best for programming it's just like we're so we're so lucky <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's really cool <laughs> to see the space energized to like again and again even after yeah. the opening yeah that's great oh that's awesome. Uh, okay, then that's really exciting. You guys still have a lot going on and a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, all right. I think I think those are all the questions I have. And I know you guys have another interview at 715. So <laughs> yeah. I don't want to keep you. But thank you guys for speaking to me um, about the exhibit and about, you know, Native American culture at Yale and in your lives. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Barbara, for talking to us. It was of really course. Fun. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. It was it was nice to meet you, Katie. Um, Place, nations, generations, and beings will be on display at the Yale University Art Gallery until June 1st, 2020, with numerous events happening in between now and then, as Katie and Joe mentioned. 
I would also like to thank the Department of History, the Department of American Studies, and the Institute for Women's Leadership at Rutgers University, New Brunswick, for sponsoring and supporting this podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and please stay tuned for more. Have a great week, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye! Thank you.